It is indeed a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Our Mr. Rogers series is an intersection of, of culture and substance from our scriptures. This story about how we might be good neighbors and serve our neighbors rooted into the teachings of one Fred Rogers. We kicked off our series last week talking about the sacred worth and identity of our neighbors, kind of appreciating them in the moment. I like you just the way you are. Now it's a refrain we'll pick up again today with honesty and integrity. But as I shared last week, I always come bearing confessions. And as I was preparing the slides for this week, one of the things that struck me about being present in the moment is the idea that the very first slide I showed you of Fred Rogers had the trolley in it. And I just missed it completely. Be in the moment. Notice things. This trolley to the land of make-believe sat right there and smacked me in the back of the head. If only I'd taken the time to see. But we talked about seeing the holy worth of our friends and our neighbors. And this week I want to talk to you a little bit about honesty and integrity. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood reminds us of the importance of honesty. Honesty with ourselves, honesty with our world, honesty with our friends, our family, and even our enemies about how we will live in our lives will define us, and it will help us to understand a scriptural idea of integrity, that holiness becomes a metric, a, a means by which we move through the world, but becomes a part of our spiritual integrity that we can handle what is thrown at us. Now, I grew up in a season in my life when it came to honesty. Maybe you heard this around your kitchen tables or from your teachers, that it's easy to be honest. In fact, it may be easier to be honest because you don't have to keep track of your lies, right? So we can be honest all the time. We don't have to worry about the mistruths or the half-truths that we've told to one or the other and to try and juggle all those things. It's just easy to be honest. Fred Rogers disagreed. He actually wondered about the struggle that might come from knowing honesty. In fact, he said it this way, honesty is often very hard. The truth is often painful, but the freedom that it can bring is worth the trying. Our ability to be honest about our experience, our circumstance, our lives, and our struggles. I know that there have been times in therapy where being honest with who I am and my life and my experience and my emotional center has been worth it because it's allowed me to bear the moment all the more better. I appreciate Mr. Rogers' willingness to struggle with the question of honesty because for me, that's what defines integrity. I have integrity, a building has integrity, a system has integrity, not when it is balanced simply by itself, but when it stands up to pressure, when the wind blows, when the earth shakes, when the water falls, does it have the integrity to weather the storm? So if we're honest with ourselves and we're being given the freedom, we then have the integrity to weather what life throws at us. I have an idea about honesty and it ties into love. And it is this. We're called to, to love our God, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Love is an action to which we are all called as disciples of Christ. But I think honesty becomes the currency of that love. That if we can be honest, it is a means by which we can express, exchange, interchange ideas and humanity one with another in the work of love. To do so violates the idea of love itself. Emergency alert, flash flood warning in a place. You're all buzzing as we speak right now. <laughs> we pray for our first responders. We pray for wisdom. We pray for infrastructure. We pray for power and buildings alike. 
And we pray for our unhoused neighbors, many of whom store their stuff, make their homes in exactly those same flood channels. So we pray. Hear our prayer, O God. Honesty is the currency of love. If I love you, I can do no better than to trade honestly and honesty with you. It allows us to be honest with ourself, honest with the world, to transform our experience from a shadowy sense of, I think this is true, to the absolute certainty of, I know it is, because I've been honest with me, and I will be honest with you. Fred Rogers says this about it, the greatest gift that we can ever give ourselves or the world is our honest self. If I can be honest with you, if I can be transparent with you, if I can, to steal a turn of phrase, be real with you for a minute, it allows you to experience me more clearly. It allows you to see God at work in my story and in yours more clearly. But that only happens when we come and exchange in that currency of love that is being honest with one another. And being honest with ourselves, having an honest self, is the means by which we replenish that account. The ability to look at ourselves plainly and to say, what is something we need to work on? What is something that we need to change? What is something that we can do to serve another? That is a pattern of life. And it's never the perfect thing. It's never the right thing. Oh, how I wish that my love made things right and perfect. The only love that truly does that is the love of God in each of us by mercy and grace. If things were made right by my simple caring for them, the world would look different. My children would act different. My churches would be fuller. Pick your pattern. But the simple truth is, is that the currency of love and honesty isn't a perfect practice. Fred says this, Love isn't a state of perfect caring. Oh, that it were. It's an active noun like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person the way he or she is right here, right now, to realize that there will be times in lives where we fail others and they fail us. Example I used in the first service is I love my wife, Camille, but she is not the same person that I fell in love with 24 years ago. Too much has changed in her, in me, in our life, in our circumstance. And if I clung to the idea that the only person I could love is who she was, I would fail the struggle. The good work of honest love with integrity that's rooted in loving who she is now and inviting her to do the same. Because Lord knows I'm not where I was then. It allows us to love with integrity and to say to others in the world, this is who I am. It may not be who I was, it may not be who I am going to be, but it is who I am in this moment. Sometimes that involves sharing the good and the bad, the holy and the raw. And Fred Rogers had a model for that that allows the idea that in the midst of our difficult emotions, in the midst of our struggles, if we can name them, it allows them to be changed. I remember with vivid memory him sitting at a piano and talking about anger and saying, sometimes music is soft and gentle, and sometimes when I am angry, my fingers only want to play like this. What an important lesson to teach our young people. That the emotions that they have can be named, can be shared, and indeed, to use his word, can be managed. 
This is what he says. Anything that is human is mentionable. There isn't anything about you, me, our bodies, our lives, our stories that can't be said aloud. And anything that is mentionable can then be manageable. If it is mentionable, it is manageable. When we talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, less scary. And the people we trust with that important talk can help us to know that we are not alone. So what do we do with our emotions, our anger, our fear, our resentment, that sense of betrayal, our joy, our passion, our innate curiosity, and our creativity? They need a means to move through the world. And if we can, as full, honest human beings living with integrity, name where we are, share who we are then allows us to face it. If I learned anything, it's that nothing gets done by avoidance. Not saying the thing doesn't bind it to not happen. Not acknowledging the illness doesn't make the cure advance. Saying, eh, it's not raining, doesn't make it any drier. No, denying will not be the root of our lives in honesty and and integrity. What is mentionable is manageable. I mentioned that we were at a training this last week. It was out in Palm Desert, Indian Wells, if you will, uh, at a retreat center there. It's the kind of place where, oh, I don't know, 200 clergy can go at an affordable price in August. Camille had leadership there. I got to do my best PETA impersonations and play guitar with the praise band and hang out with them. And it was a great time to connect with clergy peers. Our conversations were shepherded by a black Baptist pastor, an author and friend of our bishop, Dottie Escobedo Frank. His name is the Reverend Dr. Kirk Byron Jones. He's a prolific author. I brought home two of his books, one on the soul work of jazz, the soul language of jazz, and another called Soul Talk which is about being honest with oneself and how we can do that in stillness and gentleness, finding harmony within ourselves and harmony within our world. And a powerful thing, the reframing of if it is mentionable, it is manageable, that Kurt gets to is the idea that you have to face it to fix it. You can't move through the world with honesty and integrity if you are denying, hiding, we're simply ashamed to face those dark places, those emotions, that brokenness in your family, your neighborhood, or even in the world. But beyond that, to steal an analogy from Jesus, there's a chance that when we look with honesty and integrity out at the world and its struggles, and we try and pick that speck from its eye, we also can't deny or neglect the log in our own. We have to face it to fix it. We have to learn to embrace the idea of mentioning the unmentionable. Those things in our lives and our stories that stand in contrast to our hopes, our better interests maybe, or who we're called and equipped to be. Why do I say that? Because the gospel says the unmentionable. It says the thing that we all maybe have thought but haven't said aloud because we worry what it might mean if we actually did the thing. Let's take a look, a look at Luke chapter 6. But to you who are listening, Jesus says, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, 
Offer them the other. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone asks, takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Goes on. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. And then the unmentionable, that we might manage it. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. Because God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Boy, what a challenge. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Simple truth is, if we're being honest, church, is we can't love our enemies if we don't know our enemies if we're unwilling to see them, if we simply build them up as some sort of straw man of who the bad guy is, can only love an engaged enemy. We can only know an enemy with whom we are honest about our emotions and our feelings, the struggles we have with how they treat us, how we have been treated, how we treat and see them. To be honest about our bias, our isms, our struggles, and our sinfulness, and how that then creates the enemies that we are then called to love. Love your enemies. Be good to those who mistreat you. Now you might say, Pastor, this sounds like the Gospels version of just be a welcoming mat, let people beat up you and walk all over you, and if they take your jacket, give your shirt. No, no, it's a It's a system of integrity. It holds up under stress. It values the idea that honesty will be the currency of our love. It is okay to set boundaries. But if your boundaries include your right to hate your enemy, they are incomplete and not of God. Love your enemies. Do good to those who mistreat you. Don't do it because you expect something. Don't love because you have been loved by another. You are not just a reflection of the world that surrounds you. You are a reflection of your identity as the child of God. If you are going to reflect anything, reflect the mercy that God has shown you. Why? Because God, the God Most High, loves the unkind and the wicked. And I am way more often in that category than in the righteous and blessed. And if God can love me, God can love your enemy. I really loved hanging out with Kirk this week. Kirk Byron Jones, shorter than me, bald, beautiful black man, built like a fire plug, kind of black preacher that preaches with a hand towel so that he can always be drying his his forehead and the dome of his bald head. Laughs a lot. It's as if the spirit just tickles his fancy every now and then. When he's reminded of some good work that the, that the Spirit has done or the powerful voice of someone that he's listened to, either a great teacher like Howard Thurman or a passage of song and jazz, he was a hoot. 
I think part of the reason I liked him is because for two full days, I felt like I was right. He emphasized joy, mischief. The challenge of trying to live into a creative hope in a broken world. The power of laughter and of making your spouse laugh. Camille rolled her eyes at me and that was the appropriate response. He had this great sense of how to live into this hope, facing what you need to fix, particularly when it comes to loving your enemies. It's a struggle. It's tough. Some days it's too tough. It can be difficult to offer forgiveness and mercy and love to those who have done us wrong in the deepest sense from the deepest part of our past, but more than that, those who just did us wrong five minutes ago, who said something that upset us, who drove poorly on the road, who didn't think about what they posted on social media. He talks about the idea of his morning brew, which is an acronym. It's his morning meditation process. And a part of the the process of his morning devotion is bowing in a spiritual sense in his mind. It's a practice of gratitude to God who is holy and the Most High. He also bows to those needs in his story, those names and those journeys that really matter to him. But then he always takes time to bow to those for whom it is difficult to practice gratitude. Love your enemies. Do good to those who mistreat you. And he names If we're going to be a boundary-setting, honest and healthy people, and we realize that there are some folks we shouldn't have in our lives, that does not negate the opportunity to bow to them. And when you can't bow to them, try bowing to the image of God that is in them. Imagine that tension. Oh, you are such a jerk. I hate everything about you. Everything about your manner, your life, your choices, your patterns bug me. But within you is the image of God. And that I can grieve. And Kirk goes on to say, there are some people that you know that you can't do that to, that it's still too hard. How they've treated you, your family, your spouse, fellow employees, the disadvantaged, the vulnerable. It's just too much. The analogy he uses is in your sermon notes on the app. Sometimes you can't bow to the person. Sometimes you can't bow to the image of God within them. Sometimes you just have to bow to the angels that go before all of us. He said every one of us has two angels that goes before us declaring us as children of God. Here comes a child of God. It's not the person. It's not the God within them. It's just the angels that go before telling the story of what they could be. It builds on that sense from Hebrews 13 that we should welcome the strangers in our midst because we might welcome angels unaware sent from God. The two angels sent to Sodom and Gomorrah as a message of God's hope and justice for hospitality there and their inability to listen and their mistreatment of them. We never know what somebody else is going through. When we can't bow to them and bring them into our story with any honesty and integrity, sometimes it's enough to bow to their angels. Because that's the struggle of mercy. If I'm honest with myself and my journey and who I hope and long to be, I can offer some account of how that might be true for somebody else. Fred Rogers talks about forgiveness in this way. Forgiveness is a strange thing. 
It can sometimes be easier to forgive our enemies than our friends. It can be the hardest of all to forgive people we love. Like all of life's important coping skills, the ability to forgive and the capacity to let go of resentments most likely take root very early in our lives. This sense of early in our lives is an essential part of what I am about today and what we are doing today. In a moment's time, we're going to invite forward our third graders and offer them the New International Reader's Version Adventure Time Bible for early readers. Filled maybe like your childhood Bibles or those that were offered to your kids or grandkids. Beautiful pictures and images of themes of Scripture and who they are called to be. To Fred, it seemed that the pattern of forgiveness and letting go of resentment is something that is learned early. It is something that is reinforced early in childhood, and it is something that we should continue to nurture in one another in our adulthood, but we should also continue to work in the lives of our kids in that way. I'm so excited to give them their Bibles. They're excited to finally get to keep them. We gave them to them yesterday at Bibles and Breakfast. Then we gave them to them at 9 o'clock service, and we took them all back so we could give them away in front of you, mostly because we want you to pray for them and to celebrate with us as we celebrate those families who received their Bibles. I went and found mine from my office, my third grade Bible. My dad was not the pastor at the time. We were at Cross in the Desert United Methodist Church in Phoenix in 1986. I would soon be nine years old, and I was handed a good news Bible. It's a weathered one. It's an older one. I said in the first service, there's a section between Jeremiah and Luke that is a handy-dandy travel size. figure out how to be honest with ourselves when we are honest in prayer with God. God allows us to face ourselves and to learn how we should move through the world. As I was flipping through the Bible, I didn't even remember this was back here. My grandmother wrote her prayers in her Bible. I've run into other pastor friends who do much the same. In the back of my childhood Bible, I don't know if it was right at the same time, but the, the handwriting checks out. There are two prayers. Dear God, would you help me not to get my name on the board? Amen. (laughs) And then I signed it in cursive, Andy Matic, in full. I was a scamp. Y'all think I'm not being serious when I say I'm I'm way more in the list of the wicked than of the righteous. No, no, no. My, My parents give thanks every day that I survived and that they survived. The second prayer is like it. Dear God, I like Mr. P, but we don't seem to get along. Amen. Andy Maddock. (laughs) I don't remember Mr. P or what our difference was, but I like that he was worth praying for. I like that he was worth me being honest about. We don't seem to get along. Amen. This is the struggle of our work. This is what makes a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Learning a pattern of living and of life that allows us, with honesty and integrity, to greet our Maker with hope and praise because we are willing to risk vulnerability and honesty with others and with the world that surrounds us. Let's teach each other love. Let's teach each other forgiveness. Let's teach each other how to love our enemies, to mention the unmentionable, that it might become manageable, to face what we have to fix, and to be able to trade in the holy and honesty currency of love.
Let's pray.